That was a beautiful song, and what a blessing to have our children in our church singing um, about the redeeming love of Christ and everything that Jesus has uh, done for us. God is so good to us. God is so good to us. Amen. I, I, uh, two weeks ago, I did a three-part series. I'm going to conclude today with the Easter message. And just to kind of paint a picture of where we're at, and that's really what I wanted to kind of to do was kind of take us through the events that happened right before the resurrection. I think I'm a little hot here, Eli. And uh, just kind of paint for the picture and put ourselves, if you will, in the, in the shoes of those who were there. You know, it's important, I think, for us to realize that because sometimes we look at the people in the Bible and we look at ourselves and we tend to separate ourselves like they were different. And I, I do that sometimes, especially in the Old Testament. And even with the disciples in the New Testament, we tend to think that for some reason they were different or they were better or they were greater than we were. But at the end of the day, they were normal, everyday, average people just like us. They were just the same. So, so Jesus, Jesus is arrested. They, and, and I shared that two weeks ago. I, you know, you can't arrest the Son of God. Jesus surrendered himself willingly and allowed those men to bond him to bound him up and take him away and arrest him. They mocked him. They spit on him. They did all those things. So Jesus was arrested, and then, then we see the cross. Jesus was crucified on a cross. Um, it was probably the most cruelest death then that a man could suffer. He died a criminal's death. The cross the, uh, was, was reserved for criminals. It was for murderers, people who, who did thievery, things that, were, things that were bad. Yet we know the Bible tells us that Jesus was without sin. He was innocent, so there he was, nailed on the cross. And then now we, we approach the, the, the Easter day that we have today, and we have to understand and accept the fact that Jesus did, in fact, die. That was Jesus was dead. The, 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 the Savior, the one that, that, that they had hoped that was going to be the answer to, to Israel and the answer to men's sins, and Jesus, Jesus did, in fact, die. And when you get to the third day, it's interesting when you read the accounts in the Gospels, there's not a single account of anyone in any four Gospels that's recorded that somebody was expecting Jesus to be alive. None. I don't see any, any, any written account where it's recorded that anybody was, was, was expecting on Sunday morning that Jesus was going to be alive. And, and, and then Laura shared that, that the women had went the women had went to the tomb, but they didn't go to the tomb to look for a resurrected body. They went to go anoint a dead body. They, they went with, with spices and wrappings and different things that they had, but they were going to anoint a dead body. But, but no one had expected that Jesus Christ was going to be risen from the dead. And we need to ask ourselves that question here this morning. Would you have been expecting Jesus to be alive? If that had been you, in, in the disciples' shoes, and the women's shoes, and those, all those people that were there that lived with Christ and walked with Jesus on the earth, would you, would you have been expecting Jesus to be alive? And we can look at them and we can say, well, yes, I would have, but no, you wouldn't have, because none of them, none of them were. And what Sister Laura said as, as she was sharing, I, the Lord showed me that, it's so true. Are we doubting what God can do in our lives today? Are we doubting what Jesus can do in our lives today? We, we have the resurrection, but are we still doubting that God cannot do the impossible for us in our lives today? So here we have the story. It's, 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 it's Easter. It's Sunday morning. It's the third day in Mark 16. 
the, Mary Magdalene and the other women had went to anoint the body of Jesus. Then we pick it up here in Mark 16. It says, when they had heard that Jesus was alive. Now listen to this. And that she had seen him, that's Mary Magdalene, they did not believe it. Afterward, Jesus appeared in a different form to two of them while they were walking in the country. These returned and reported it to the rest, meaning the disciples and the others that were there, but they did not believe them either. And then in Luke 24, it says, In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here, he has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. So we have the women, and you have to remember, these were people, they knew each other. In other words, they were, they were, they were friends with each other. They spent time with one another. When the women were there, they were at, they were, they were at the gravesite. They went to anoint the body. The Bible tells us that they had actually seen Jesus with their eyes. It wasn't they just heard. They had, they had seen Jesus. The Bible says they went back to the disciples, to the other men, and it says, I'm here to tell you I've seen Jesus. And the Bible says they did not believe them. That would be like you and I, Brandon. I, we know each other. We're, we're friends. We, we, we've been knowing each other. That would be like me telling you I've seen something. Now, Brandon, I'm telling you I've seen this. This has happened. This is, this is real. And I come to you and I say, Brandon, this happened. And you look at me and you say, you know what? I don't believe you. <laughs> That's exactly what that was like. They, they, they did not believe. The Bible says the Bible says that they doubted even though someone had came with an eyewitness account that Jesus was alive. But I'm here to tell you, Jesus did everything that he said he was going to do. And the, the series that I've been doing is Jesus is the greatest of all time. There, there is no other man or woman that has lived, that is living, or that will live that will ever be greater than Jesus Christ. He is the, he is the greatest of all time. And we, we need to understand that, that Easter... And again, it's so important for us to understand this, and we, we celebrate Easter and Christmas, and we, we kind of set those aside as, as maybe more significant days as Christians or as, as Christians or as church people do. But in reality, everything that the Bible says is significant. And really, the Easter story and the whole story of the Bible is literally about life and death. It's literally about your life and my life, and it's about us living and it's about us and it's about us dying. It's not a religious celebration. It's not a religious thing that I, you know, I, I just, this is my religion. This is the religious thing I do. No, we're celebrating something that has an impact on us, that has an eternal impact on our lives. First John chapter 5 says, and this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Who, whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. That, that's black and white. That, there's no interpretation needed for that. The Bible says apart from Jesus Christ, we have no life. We, we are dead, the Bible says. In Ephesians, the Bible says, but, but because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace that you have been saved. That, that, was, that was our condition and see, we cannot appreciate the magnitude of the resurrection until we see the gravity of our condition. 
you have to understand the condition that we were in apart from Christ. We were lost. We were dead. We were separated. Apart from Christ and his resurrection, we remain dead in our sins. That We need to understand that as Christians so we can communicate that to a lost world that has never met Christ, that doesn't understand the connection that their life has to this man named Jesus Christ. They, they need to understand what is the connection. It's their very life, their, their very existence. In John chapter 14, Jesus said this before he was crucified. He says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. And I titled the lesson, the message today, Because He Lives, I Too Will Live. Because Jesus lives, I too will live. Our life and our resurrection was tied to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. See, Easter... Easter is man's redemption story. That, that's what the children we, were singing about, about, about the redeeming love and the redeeming power of Jesus Christ. We needed a redeemer. We needed somebody to purchase our lives back from the, from the lost condition that we were in, that we would be saved and born again. Our redeemer is Jesus Christ. See, the resurrection was the exclamation point on everything else that Jesus did. Remember, the Bible from Genesis all the way through the Gospels, was a crescendo, was a building up to the coming of the Messiah, the coming of a Savior, the, the, the Son of God, the man who would take away the sins of the world. But John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. There was a building up, and the, the resurrection was the exclamation point on everything that Jesus Christ did and said he was. It was the, it was the final act that, that Jesus did. The resurrection validated who, who Jesus Christ was. Your eternal existence rested on what happened in that tomb. That everything that happened in that tomb was tied to you and I. His resurrection is your resurrection. Easter is not only a celebration of Christ raised from the dead, it's our celebration that we too will be resurrected. It was all tied to that cross and to that tomb. Our lives and the lives of every person that, that lived, that, if, that was living, that was yet to live, was tied to that. So I want to go back and look at a, at a recording. And there's so many, the, the, if you look at the four Gospels, there, many of them are different, and then some of them are unique in the sense that they, they copy each other's stories. But some of them share stories that the other, other three or the other two don't, don't have that, that doesn't share. And I find that really fascinating when I'm reading the different accounts that the Gospels give, but the Gospel of Luke and the Gospel of John, they, those two Gospels give the most detail of the, of the, um, of the crucifixion and of the, of the uh, resurrection, and they share a, a, more of the stories of what happened after Christ was, was resurrected than does Matthew and Mark. Uh, Matthew or Mark, one of Matthew, I think, it, it's, it's a quick, it's like he's resurrected, Jesus is alive, and you get right to the Great Commission, and bam, the, the Matthew's gospel ends. But the gospel of Luke and the gospel of John, which I love, is they, they share a lot of uh, stories and things that happened after Jesus was resurrected. And, and, and I just found that extremely fascinating as a, as a Christian and, and, and as a believer. So, but I want to look at the, uh, at the written account in the gospel, in the gospel of John, 
And remember, you've got to place yourselves in their position. I've said this before. Um, as we're reading the Gospels and you're, you're reading the Bible, you know, we're looking, we're like 2,000 years removed from this event, right? We're looking back at, at what ha- has already happened. The, these things have already occurred. We know what has happened. But these men and these women, they were living it in real time. In other words, they were like, is Jesus, is he the Messiah? Is this the Savior? Is, they, were living, they were living who this man was in, in real time, not really knowing who it was that Jesus Christ was. So in John chapter 20, it says, Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight in to the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside. He saw and believed. They They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. So just some observations about about the resurrection that, that I find kind of, kind of intriguing and kind of interesting. The, the resurrection, and even in the, in the Gospels of Luke and John, uh, where, they give that, where they give more detail and more, uh, they record more events that happened after Jesus had resurrected from the dead. If you look at the resurrection, it's more of a private event compared to a lot of the other things that happen in the Bible, especially the crucifixion. The, 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 the religious leaders were there, the people were there screaming, crucify him. The, the, you know, every, everybody was there. All, all these things were very public. But when you get to the scene of the, of the resurrection, to me it's more of a private matter. It, it's not that Jesus was hiding himself, but it wasn't, it wasn't as public. It, it wasn't as pronounced as some of the other events. And we can all in our minds come up with ideas or reasons why we think that that was true. The, one of the studies that I had did on this suggested that Jesus had reserved himself to show himself to those whom he loved the most, the ones who adored him, the ones who he had, he had a relationship with, the ones that, that, that were with him when he, was, when he walked on the earth and had spent time with, the ones that he had, he had a close relationship with. But, but it, is, it is interesting to note that the resurrection um, was more of a private event than some of the other things. But the other thing that I found very intriguing in this and, and, and this is mentioned here in John's uh, gospel, but it's also mentioned in one of the other gospels, maybe two, that when the, when the, when the women, uh, when the uh, angels had said to the women who came to the grave, go and tell the disciples that Jesus is not here, he is risen, they, they specifically said, go and tell the disciples and Peter. Why, why, why Peter? In other words, why, why Peter? Well, the biggest thing that stands out to me is that Peter... Peter denied even knowing who Jesus Christ was, the Bible says. He was one of the 12 disciples. He, he was one of Jesus' closest men, the, 
one of the 12 men that the Bible says Christ had picked to walk with Jesus on the earth. And, and Jesus loved, Peter loved Jesus, but the Bible says that Peter denied three times that he even knew who Jesus Christ was. But what, what's so fascinating about Peter's life? Well, you remember Peter, Peter was the only disciple, at least that's recorded, that walked on water. Peter walked on water. Now, we, we can criticize Peter for a lot of other things, but that's a pretty big deal to me. If you can say, you know what, I walked on water. There was he wasn't afraid when he saw Jesus walking on the water, at least in the, in the initial part, he wasn't afraid to say, you know what, if Jesus can do this, I can do it too. He was bold. He was brave. He, 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 he stepped out of the boat, the Bible says. But, but Peter was also the one that told Jesus that he would never allow Jesus to die. He said, he said, he said, he said you would never die. What did Jesus tell Peter? Get behind me, Satan. This is, what, this is my Father's will. I'm, I'm going all the way to the cross, and you or nobody else is going to stop the plan that, the plan that, God, that God has. And then we know that Jesus, uh, when, when, that he told Jesus he would go to prison and die for Jesus um, but, it, but if, if, but before Jesus would be allowed to die. And the Bible says he had denied, denied knowing him even three times. But Peter, I believe, out of all the disciples, wanted to believe in his heart of hearts that Jesus truly was the Messiah. That, that in spite of the fact that he denied him, and we, 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 you read the account, you read the Bible, it was out of fear. These men had came and they, they couldn't believe that here we have who claimed to be the Son of God allowing these soldiers to take this man away. This man who raised the dead, who healed the blind, who healed the lame, all these things. Then all of a sudden these men are attached to him. It's like nothing can happen to us as long as we're with Jesus. And then all of a sudden they see that Jesus is bound and he's, he's being led away and he's arrested. There was fear. And, and we can criticize him, but we would have reacted in the same way. They were afraid, but I still believe, in spite of everything that Peter did, in his heart of hearts, Peter wanted to know and wanted to believe that Jesus truly was the Messiah, that he truly was the Christ. So now we have the story here in John where it says Mary Magdalene came running to Peter. And Mary Magdalene, if you read the Gospels, she was the one from whom Jesus had cast out seven demons. If Jesus cast out seven demons for me, I would, I would be like, I would love Jesus. Like, you freed me, Jesus. You, you set my life apart. But the Bible says she saw that Jesus was alive, and she came running to Peter, but she didn't come running to Peter and the disciples to tell them that Jesus was alive. She was, she was thinking someone had taken the body, that the body, that the body had been stolen. But, but the, the, the Bible says that when, 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 when Mary came back and reported this, reported this to the disciples, and all she wanted to do was tell them somebody has taken the body, and we don't know where they have placed it. And the, but the Bible says that with the disciples, and it doesn't name the disciple, but it's John. It's John and Peter, the Bible says. And i got to think, before the words were even out of Mary's mouth, before she even finished saying what she was saying, the Bible says that Peter and John got up and they were running. The Bible says they were running to the tomb. And I, I'm here to tell you, they were not running to a crime scene. They were running to a resurrection scene. They knew in their hearts that there's something going on here, that something happened. And you just, when I read the details and I read the anticipation that, I, I just get so excited. Because think about this, they were so rejected. They had accepted the fact that Jesus was dead, that this was not the Messiah. 
He was not the Savior he claimed to be. That this was a hoax. That we that we were, we that we had the wool pulled over our eyes, so to speak. The whole thing was just a it was just a facade. It, none, none of this was real. But all of a sudden, Mary comes and says they've taken the body, and Peter and John says, "No, they haven't taken the body." And about what it says, it says both disciples ran. Listen to the details. It says one disciple outran the other. It was John. The Bible says John got to the tomb first. And then the Bible says, he, listen to this, he stopped and he looked into the tomb. But what did Peter do? The one that got out the boat and walked on the water. Peter's like, I'm not staying, I'm walking. He walked right in, the Bible says. As soon as the second disciple got in, he walked right in. And what, is, what does it say? It says they found the, the, the strips of linen, they found the clothes folded and lying, lying there. And that, that is extremely significant for us, for, for, for us to look at and for us to understand. But See, the, the, the resurrection, that was a game changer. That, that was a game changer for the disciples. So the first thing that we see here in this, in, this, in this account and in the resurrection is that the resurrection proves that Jesus was Lord and Messiah. That proves that Jesus was who he said he was. See, their desire to believe that Jesus was the Christ was gone. He had, he had died. For, for the one that they had hoped in was now dead. How could he be the savior of the world if he lay dead in a tomb? Yet Christ himself declared that the resurrection would prove that he was who he said he was. In Matthew chapter 12, it says, And some of the Pharisees and teachers of the law said to him, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. He answered, A wicked and adulterous generation asked for a sign, but none will be given, given it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Jesus was prophesying of the crucifixion and the resurrection. He says, I'll give you a sign. I'm going to do what Jonah did. I'm going to be three days and three nights in the belly of a, of a tomb. I'm going to be, you're going to think I'm dead, and I'm, going to, and I'm going to come alive again, and I'm going to be resurrected. Right. See, he was speaking of his crucifixion and his resurrection. Three days in the grave and he would rise in the third. See, without the resurrection, Jesus was a false teacher. He was a false prophet. For him to be Lord and Messiah, he must be alive. Jesus had to be resurrected from the dead. So Peter and John, see, they had hoped. Now remember, the whole time in Jesus' entire ministry on the earth, they wanted to believe that this was the Messiah. They were Jews. They, 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 knew the, they knew the Bible. They knew the, some of the Old Testament writings that were there. They, under, they understood the coming of the Messiah. And in their hearts, they wanted to believe that this really was Jesus, the, the promised one, the anointed one, the, the, savior, the savior of the world. See, many have sought to disprove the resurrection. And while we are blessed to believe and not have, and not have seen it, the details of the account Prove that the evidence did occur. And, you know, Laura was sharing about Scoot, and um, I don't make it a point to listen to him, but I kind of listen to him, you know, sometimes. And I'm, I'm here to tell Scoot and everybody else in the world, Jesus Christ is alive. Amen. And I'm here to tell Scoot this, that the Bible, the Bible is accurate. Right. You have to understand this as a Christian. The Bible is not true because we are Christians, and it's our document that we hold on to. It's not a blind faith, in other words. The Bible is an historical document. In other words, you, 
and, and I hate to say this, and I'm not going to use the word stupid, but I'll use the word ignorant. Scoot, you're ignorant. Because you haven't studied any history at all. He said he believed it was real. Oh, he did. Okay. Well, Scoot, thank you, Jesus. That's, that's good. I'm excited for you, Scoot. That's, that, that's hope. Amen. Thank you for saying that. Thank you for now, now. Now I lost my train of thought. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. But the, the, Bible, the Bible is real. See, if you go back and look, and I've done this, and, and I could spend the whole rest of the time doing this. There's other books in history that were written, that, that were written apart from the Bible that support the events that happened in the Bible. Did y'all know that? Yes. They're there. In other words, there's other men that lived. Books, historical written books that were written, not in the Bible, not one of the 66 in the Bible, another book that somebody wrote that's, that, 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 that gave evidence that there was a man named Jesus Christ that had followers, that, that had disciples. There was other accounts written. And, and the, this account here with this, and you, if you don't study this, you, you would have never caught this, but what the, the Bible says here with the detail about the way the cloth was laid is, is, is critical to understanding that this really was a resurrection. In John chapter 20, verse 7, it says, um, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head, the cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Now, we know that, again, John stayed out the, out the tomb. Peter went straight into the tomb. Both noticed the head wrappings and the linen. So why were they so significant? Well, had somebody taken the body, they would not have taken the time to unwrap the body, fold the clothes, and put them real neatly in a, in a stack. They, would, they wouldn't have done that. They would have just yanked the body out of there, probably in fear that someone was going to notice them and just run away wherever it was they were going to go with the body. But it says also the cloth lying in its place, or some other translations say folded together. The Greek verb for this means they were still in their fold. In other words, wrapped just like they would be wrapped around a body as if the body just evaporated. See, that's the Greek verbiage on that. That's what that means, that they were still in their fold. In other words, we, we think of it as it was folded like you take a batch of orange and you fold up clothes. No, they were still in their fold as if they were still in the place and the condition that they would have been had the body still been laying there. But the body was, the body was resurrected, thank you, Jesus. Jesus was not there. So, so that, that gives evidence. And the other thing that gives evidence, and, and, and um, Josh McDowell and his son, Sean McDowell, uh, wrote, wrote a book, and I want to get this to some of the guys in the church. It's a little paperback book, book called More Than a Carpenter. It's, one of, my, it's one, of the, one of my kind of books that I like to read because it's really small. But it's, pa- but it's, packed, with a lot of, it's packed with a lot of truths. And it's got a lot of it's, it's titled More Than a, More Than a Carpenter. And one of the chapters in the book is titled, Who Would Die for a Lie? Now, see, you have to understand this. The disciples, if you read the accounts in some of the other historical books other than the Bible, it says all the, the disciples, most every one of them died a martyr's death. In other words, they, after the resurrection, and even Peter, the Bible says Peter was crucified. He was crucified on, he was crucified on a cross. The same Peter, the same Peter that denied that Jesus Christ, he even knew who this man was. What was the, what was the difference? The resurrection. See, Peter understood once he understood that this was the Messiah, and, and, and once Jesus really did overcome death, then Peter, guess what Peter realized? I, too, will overcome death. What, what am I afraid of? Now, Peter was this bold man all of a sudden. In, in Acts, 
and, and, and Acts, what is it, chapter 2 or chapter 3? P- Peter's preaching to the 3,000 on the day of Pentecost. And he's standing there boldly preaching who Jesus Christ was. The same man that had, that had, denied, that had denied who Jesus Christ was. It was the resurrection that gave, that gave the disciples the boldness. But, but in that chapter, it makes the point, who would die for a lie? In other words, if the disciples knew that Jesus Christ really wasn't resurrected, that maybe somebody did, they stole the body, or somebody really did do something with the body, and they knew, in their mind, they knew that Jesus really wasn't resurrected, would they be willing to suffer and die for Christ? I'm here to tell you no. Most people would not be willing to die if they knew it was true, much less willing to die for something they knew was a lie. Yet the Bible says they did it. So there's evidence, and I was, tell, I was telling Lori, um, and I think it's in that, in that same book, there's historians, like there's, there's men that take events like this, not just this biblical event, but they take like events in history, and they go through the painstaking trouble of studying all the details. Like, I don't know what they do, but they just go, they probably study the background, the time when he lived, every single thing that they could find. And this man came to the conclusion that there was more evidence to prove that Jesus Christ was resurrected than any other thing that he had ever researched, that the resurrection gave more evidence. So, again, Scoot says he, he believes in the, in the Bible, but some people just, they just say, the, they just discount the Bible because it's a religious book. So I don't believe, you, you, you're a nutcase, you, you believe the Bible. You're some kind of religious nut. No, I'm not a religious nut. The Bible's true. The Bible's real. Jerusalem is a real place. Those events, those cities, those things really happen. So then you can't say, well, I'm just going to slice it up and say, you know what? I'm going to say, I'm going to separate the things that I know are true. And then these other things about Jonah and the whale and Lazarus coming from the grave. and all this. I'm just not going to believe that. It doesn't work that way. One, one supports the other. They, they, both, they, they both defend one another, in other words. The Bible is real. And there's evidence to support that Jesus Christ has, in fact, risen from the dead. Thank you, Jesus. He's alive. Jesus is alive. See, Jesus did everything that he said he was going to do. How many times does the Gospels record that Jesus said, I'm going to be arrested, I'm going to be tortured, I'm going to be mocked, they're going to crucify me, but what did he say? On the third day, (laughs) three days, uh, and they were all, where, where were they? they were, I guess the disciples were still in fear. They were still hunting. None of them were waiting for Jesus to come out of the grave. But Jesus was indeed resurrected. And then the next thing that we see is the resurrection broke the chains of sin. The resurrection broke the chains of sin. See, he took our sins on the cross. Yet if he remained in the grave, we still remain in our sins. See, we celebrate the cross, so we should. That the, in other words, Jesus took the weight of the sin of the world, the Bible says, and that, that sin was placed on him as a sacrifice. He was the only sacrifice that, that could satisfy the demands of God for us to be forgiven. It was Jesus Christ. But the cross, that wasn't the final act. It had to be the resurrection. If, if Jesus Christ had not resurrected, we would still be in our sins. 1 Corinthians 15 says, And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those who have have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. See, the Bible says the wages of sin is death, 
but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. See, if Jesus would have remained in that grave, we would have still remained in our sinful, in our sinful condition. We, we need to understand, if Christ had not been raised, the Bible says, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Right. It's like everything that we're doing is, is, a, is for nothing. It's, a, it's, it's all for fake. It's, it's, it's not real if Christ had remained in the grave. But see, your faith is not vain. It's not empty. Peter and John knew if Christ had risen, he was indeed Lord and Savior. They were running for freedom. Christ had set them free from the bondage and the curse of sin. They understood that their sins now were forgiven, that Jesus was the Savior, the Messiah, the one who would take away the sins of the world. See, Paul said, if only in this life we have hope, if we only have hope for Christ in this life, and this is a good life. Jesus gives us life now, the Bible says, abundant life. But this isn't it. There's eternal life, the Bible says. But if only for this life we have hope in Christ, our belief is false and we're believing in a lie. But because we believe in the resurrection, that gives us power to face trials and to overcome everything that comes before our lives. See, if there is no resurrection, there's no hope of salvation. The believer suffers for nothing. We have wasted our time and energy and sacrifice. We've denied ourselves in vain, thinking that there was more th than life than this. But there is more than this. We have eternal life. Thank you, Jesus. We will live forever. The, the disciples were willing to die. Most of them probably young men, hadn't, hadn't really lived a full life, but they didn't care. They were willing to give it all up for Jesus Christ, the Bible says. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, 20, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those, of those who have fallen asleep. See, he has indeed been risen. Your faith is not futile. He is alive. And because he lives, we too shall live. See, that's the celebration. And, and we have a buildup to Easter every year, and that's good. But really, Christians should be celebrating Easter every day. Every morning when you wake up, you should be telling Jesus, thank you that I have resurrection life. The Bible says the same power that raised Christ from the dead resides in us. The same power, not a different power. The same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in us. Thank you, Jesus. I too will live, that this body will be resurrected, and I will live forever because Jesus lives. See, the resurrection says that you can live, you can live in total freedom. We can live in total freedom. This isn't on the screen, but what did Jesus say in Luke chapter 4? He said, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. The poor is all of us. It's all of creation. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That's what the resurrection did. It, it, it freed us from the chains of sin, from the curse of sin, from the bondages of sin. We are free. Thank you, Jesus. I'm free. That's what God has done for us. That's what, we're, that's what we're celebrating. See, we have to understand that, that, the, that, the, that the resurrection was our resurrection. It was our conquering over, over death and over sin. And then the next thing we see here is the resurrection removes the fear of death. The resurrection removes the fear of death. See, dying is not something any of us want to think about. I don't want to think about it. I, I think most of us, we, we contemplate death, but I think most of us probably think it's never going to happen to me. You know, everybody else, you know, it, it'll happen, but it's never going to happen to me. 
But we know that death is inevitable. It's going gonna, it's gonna to take place. This physical body, even if we live to be 100 years old, the Bible says that the outer man, the outer shell is doing what? It's decaying day by day. That, that outer shell is decaying. But Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. See, those who are in Christ will never die. We, we live forever. We, we have eternal life. The, the physical body will die. This, this shell that we're in, this, this fleshly shell that you and I live in, this, this flesh is going to die, but what's going to live forever? Our souls. Our spirit has been what? Why? Because the Bible says when we confess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, what happens? The Bible says a resurrection happens inside our hearts. And the Bible says the spirit man does what? The spirit man comes alive. The spirit man is resurrected. And now all of a sudden I have eternal life. Yes, David, the physical shell, David, is going to die. But the Bible says David, the spirit man, the eternal part of David, lives forever. Yeah. That's something to get excited about. That, that, see, Jesus has removed, he has removed the, removed the fear of death. 1 Corinthians 15, 21 and 22. It says, for since, for since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. See, you have to understand the, the significance of Adam and of Christ. And what's the significance there? Well, without Christ, the Bible says every single person that was ever born was born of Adam. All of us. We, we were born of Adam. And because Adam sinned, the Bible says we are now living in a sin state, in a sin condition. We, we have a sin nature, and there's no escape. There's no way to get out of that. But the Bible says, guess what he did? God sent a second Adam. But this Adam wasn't from earth. This Adam was from heaven. See, he wasn't connected to sinful man. Jesus was what? He was, born, he was born a virgin birth. The Bible says Jesus was from heaven. And now what does the Bible say? All of us who were in Christ, not in Adam. See, we escaped, we escaped the penalty of death in Adam. Now we are in the second Adam, Jesus Christ. Now I'll live forever. See, that's why the Bible says salvation is found in no one else. There was no other name given under heaven by which we must be saved except the name of Jesus. The Bible says God's not going to condemn you because you were a sinner. God's going to condemn you because you rejected the antidote for your sin, That's right. Jesus Christ. Right. Thank you, Jesus. Like, why isn't the whole St. Tammany Parish in this building this morning wanting what God did for them today? Why? God, Jesus died for us. He gave us eternal life. He became sin, the Bible says, that you and I might become the righteousness in Christ. That's, that's a celebration. That's what we sing. Hallelujah, what a Savior. Hallelujah, what a friend. Amen. See, that's all the songs we're singing. We're, we're singing truth. We're declaring truth. Jesus, got, Jesus has the final word. Amen. That's what the resurrection tells us. Jesus had the final word. See, death... Death is our greatest enemy, and Christ has removed the enemy of death. In other words, that, that's, that's your great, the, the greatest enemy of man is death, and the Bible says Jesus Christ has removed death, death from us. 1 Corinthians 15 says, Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we, we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound. The dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. 
For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that, that because you know your labor in the Lord is not in vain. See, I love, I love what Paul is writing here. Paul is saying, therefore, now, since we have received this eternal life, since Jesus Christ has overcome, give yourself fully. And, and that's, that's convicting to me because do I live with, a, with an attitude of, 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 am I reserved sometimes as a Christian or, or am I giving myself fully to the Lord? And why did Paul say that? Because death no longer has a hold on you. What are you afraid of? What, what is the Christian afraid of? We, we, we live forever, the Bible says. Give yourselves fully to the Lord, the Bible says. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to ask Eli to please begin playing that, that music that we had that given you, please. And see, death has been swallowed up in victory. Death no longer has a hold on you. That's the, that's the celebration. See, you have resurrection power living inside of you. That, that should give the believer great hope. In other words, we should never be downcast. We should never be distraught. We should never be fearful. It's, we, death has been conquered. We have eternal light. There's a, there should be a jump in our step, a smile on our face, a, a light, a light that just glows from our bodies because we have life. That's what the, the disciples did after Jesus was resurrected. They gave it all up. They weren't afraid. Neither should we be. Thank you, Jesus. Don't you want to, don't you want to live with that excitement? That, and, then, and let the Holy Spirit convict us that, that God compelled me. Paul said on several occasions, the Holy Spirit compelled me. I, w- I want to be compelled by God's Spirit. I want to be compelled to go tell someone, Jesus loves you. No matter what you've done, God, Jesus, He'll forgive you. He'll turn your whole life upside down. No matter how dark your life looks, Jesus has to find a word. God, compel us compel this church to go share the Easter story, the message of the resurrection with lost people all around us. Amen. Amen. You can stand to your feet.